<laughs> I'm supposed to play the music, aren't I? Oh, man. Okay, here we go. everyone i'm ryan and i'm steve and this is 60 cycle hum the guitar buying selling trading modding fixing breaking reviewing playing podcast Podcast. have you ever thought about introducing yourself as hi i'm ryan a youtube a youtuber and industry professional and this is steve he's a hi i'm the man from the internet (laughs) fender is put out a crap ton of stuff today steve so much crap so much no I said a crap ton. That's a that's a, that's unit, a, that's of a measurement. unit of measurement. It's a unit a unit of measurement. It's not. It doesn't say what the stuff is. It doesn't yeah, say you, if it's you crap said or a not. Crap, crap ton, not a ton of crap. Right, right. I don't. <laughs> I think some of it we'll find out later someday if it is crap. But it, you know, I'm going to assume this all you know up to Fender standards. Yeah. There, uh, was there actually any? Oh, there was some Fender stuff. There, there was, was a lot of of uh, Squire stuff. Yeah, and, and a, a few Fender things. They came out with an entire new line of pedals called the Hammertone pedals. And my hot take on the line is, I want those knobs. The knobs are cool. All I want is those knobs. I want them to make knobs that size and that look exactly all those colors and more to swap out knobs on you know. Jazz masters and Telecasters. Yeah, and just, are they just like are they just amp knobs? No, they're pedal knobs. They, so you know, are they smaller? They're going to be really small. They're going to oh. be tiny. They're just going to be. I think uh, you know, Aaron Abubo said they're going to be just small enough to make it look really stupid on a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that they can make these knobs, yeah, means that they should be making these knobs for all sorts of other products. Because I would totally, totally match. Up yeah, these make colors. them bigger. Make put some colors. Put some different colors on there. They need to release these knobs at guitar sizes with pickup covers made of the same colored plastic mm. and switch tip covers. Mm-hmm. Like do a whole line of accessories like that. But anyways, that just very much sounds like the California Cool series from like the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff. That sucked. was like late 90s. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, uh, this is a whole run of affordable pedals that all have three or four knobs. Yeah. So this is the three or four series. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them have like three knobs and two switches. Right, so right. Is that like the five, the you five either, series? You either get, a, you get switches or you get four knobs. You get three knobs and some switches or you get four knobs. So they've got, you know, some some classic you know, run-of-the-mill style effects here. I mean, I haven't heard them yet. Maybe they'll be exceptional, but they've got distortion and overdrive. They've got a fuzz. They have two delays. They have a reverb. They have a flange and a chorus. And uh, I don't remember if there was something There's one that's like off. There's a metal distortion. Oh, is that with a metal? Yeah, yeah. So this is interesting because Gibson just came out with their line of somewhat affordable pedals too those are all in the yeah, like the, 150 kind of range maestros mm-hmm. which is interesting <sighs> because uh i want to say like two or three months back gibson served cusack music a cc desisti yeah, yeah because he had a pedal that uh had art similar to maestro art for a phaser yeah it was the, i think it was the mr o the Mr. O. So they sent him a cease and desist, and it was like, okay, 
they're finally doing something with Maestro. They're coming out with something because otherwise they wouldn't yeah. do anything with this. So, so like those so, of us paying attention knew that something was coming with that. And, and the big criticism of that line, not to divert from uh, this, no, too sure, much, but diversion and, and, is and what I, we do, and I, and I agree with it. Is uh, the Maestro lineup came out, and they're all basically like the same naming convention as the Fender stuff. So overdrive, delay, right. fuzz, whatever. And it's like, y'all had pedals. <laughs> like, the was it the Maestro, like the Maestro phase? Right, right. The Mr. O, the the um, Mojo, um, Mojo hand? Right. Mo, Mojo effects, what Mojo hand effects? Yeah, yeah. The one, the Cusack brand that they CC desisted over, like that was a supposed to be a clone, uh, or at least an homage to the Maestro Phaser, right? Like the Maestro, I forget which is it, the Fuzz Right, the Fuzz Bright. No, those Fuzz I see tonight. Those were Mo's Right circuits. What's the what's? But Maestro had a like right a a classic the the FC one and the FC two and stuff like that. There's a bunch of classic Maestro circuits. None of which I'm uh, searching for Maestro pedals vintage. Yeah, none of which are part of this lineup. Uh, I just want images. Show me pictures. Do the picture. See now, now show ru- you all the new ones. It's ruined. Oh, they have the fuzz the, stain. Yeah, the fuzz stain. That's a cool That's name. Oh, the fuzz tone was the uh, Maestro. Okay, the fuzz tone. They also had the uh, the. Is it the. Uh, Bass, the bass bass master. They have a sustainer brass master, here. something like that. I mean, the the this maestro is just called Fuzz. They have a maestro filter sample hold. Was a vintage one. Yeah, um, that's the the bat the 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 brass master. The brass right? master. You know, the, my only point is they have all of these old circuits, and and I guess. Um, People have asked Gibson, like, well, when are you going to do these? They're like, oh, we're going to we're going to get to those. It's like, why didn't you do them first? Yeah, seriously. Like you're well, they, initial- claim, they claim that the fuzz has an FZ one setting on it. So why not call it the fuzz tone with the same graphic? Yeah, it doesn't make it. I don't I don't even if they're not going to use the same graphic, even if they want to, like, bring out this whole new line, whatever. It doesn't make sense to me that they're not directly representing their phaser was what called the stage phaser. Okay. It's one yeah. one of their phasers was called that anyways. Yeah, they could. I mean, Gibson's whole shtick is calling back and adding value to nostalgia yeah. for their various brands. Like they should have called back to the original naming conventions. Hey, hey, this is all I this is all I'm gonna say on this. Play authentic, unless it's Maestro pedals, in which case play these new circuits that aren't at all related to our old circuits. Damn, Steve has big opinions on the Maestro pedals. Well, I've got one of the fuzzes inbound because I want to check that out. Oh, and the delay. I, I ordered the fuzz and the delay oh, from cool. Sweetwater. Well, that's all you need. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the others I just figure like overdrive, like the, the chances of me finding an overdrive that I think is special or different in some ways is pretty low. So I'm not going to, you know. Try to go for that. But Fuzz, you know I love Fuzz, especially if it's going to do an FZ1 thing, which it claims to do. I'd love to check that out. It has a modern setting as well. The delay, you know, I love delays. So, of the, course, okay, the, the other issue I have, and I, I do not remember the brand, and we were talking about this earlier, and you're saying that you think that maybe they're bigger, um, which they very well could be. But uh, 
I won't. I don't know how big they actually are until I have one in my hand and I can compare it to a metal zone. That's you know, <laughs> that's my size reference for all pedals. Oh, okay, the the pedal that I'm thinking of, the Dolomo pedals, are side jacks, but I, I what I here, think it's going to be bigger than the Dolomos. I really want, and this is what I haven't seen yet. I'm sure it's going to happen. I want someone to crack one of these guys open. I want to know what's uh, what's going just on like inside. Just like snap yeah, it in just half, breaking in half. <laughs> I want to know what's going on on the inside because 150 dollars is also kind of a weird price point. It is like it's not quite. I think you're paying for the unique case on that because it's like a right. fold, it's a folded metal case. So you're you're paying for some aesthetic. I think you're also paying for. You know, three LED, three LED ports. No, it, it does have like a unique, like kind of like graphic LED sort of thing going on. Yeah, which you're, I, you're playing, you're paying for trumpets. But I think most of that is Gibson doing their price valuation of their brands that they own sort of thing. Where I think with the, the Fender Hammertone line, they are squarely going after like, we need to have a pile of 99 Oh yeah, pedals because retailers are telling us that is what sells over and over and over again. And uh, you know they did the they did the big box like trying to be Strymon thing for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. And I honestly don't know how well those did. I almost never see them on anyone's boards. I I've had two of them. I had the Treverb, which mm-hmm. I wasn't a huge fan of. I've got the Tube Tremolo, which I actually do like quite a bit. But you know it, I tend to go for a smaller package right. on my pedal board. And so I don't often choose it for my pedal board, even though I actually really like the sound of it. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what these deliver as far as sound quality. And I don't mean like they have to be like, oh, my gosh, this is the highest quality fuzz I've ever heard in my life. Because what does that even mean? But as long as they deliver something that people want, that's what I'm talking about. Like, oh, here's a sound that people are going to love. Like, that's what we're looking for. And, you know, until we hear sound samples, no one's going to know if there's anything special or different or recommendable about them at all. I mean, at $99, if the overdrive is a tube screamer, then it's like, oh, here's an option, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it'll be interesting to see how they come out. They also, you know, Fender also did a bunch of guitars. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently, it's the Squire 40th anniversary this year. Squires is as is as old as I am. Um, that which, means every Squire is my birth year guitar. <laughs> no, every we've been aging. Here's the thing: it's like like I'm like Mark Twain, and when I die, I'm going to take Squire with me. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's gonna be like Haley's Comet, you know. Like we're gonna yeah. we're gonna age together, we're gonna grow up together, go through similar milestones together, mm-hmm. and then at the very end, it'll be like it's time to go home to heaven with me, Squire, and I'll grab Squire, and just ride that comet into heaven. <laughs> I'm referencing a very old and weird claymation movie. <laughs> I'm. Was trying to figure out if you were referencing something or if you were just talking about. Uh, I'm just making the, up nonsense. What was that cult up the street? Oh, Hailbop. The the Hailbop. The, the yeah, yeah. I forget what they're called. Heaven's yeah. Gate. Heaven's, Heaven's Gate. Gate. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> Maybe they watched that old claymation. That's where they got all their ideas from. So yeah, they came out with a bunch of 40th, 40th anniversary stuff. Um, it's kind of wild because they're they're kind of going nuts with gold. Half of them have gold hardware and half of them don't but all, all of them have gold anodized pick guards which i'm totally on bar, board for but like gold hardware i'm not into which mm-hmm. but funny 
typically the finishes that I like are the ones that come with Chrome hardware. <laughs> so I, actually, I was going to say one thing is the tele, the vintage edition Telecaster actually does not have. Oh, it doesn't. Um, the uh, it has an anod. That's a black anodized uh, aluminum pickguard. But pretty much everything else, I think, has the gold pickguard. That uh, it's just different hard, different color hardware. That Seafoam Jazzmaster, though, like with an anodized. Yeah, pick yeah. Guard. Hold up your iPad. Definitely don't put it on a picture it will right here. Be up here. Don't worry. <laughs> like that, you know, that's my flavor. Yeah, like that thing looks sick. Uh, I'm not gonna get. I've got enough around here, but that like I totally sign off on that. Yeah. All of Just the, on aesthetics. All of the gold edition stuff um, all have uh, block, big block inlays. Um, they look really cool. They look they look really solid. The prices, you know, people are going to complain about six hundred dollar Telecaster. Yeah, I think six hundred dollar Strat. Besides some aesthetic stuff, I think they might be all pretty stock as far as Squire stuff goes. I don't know. This says it's got Fender designed single coil pickups. With Alnico five magnets and the Jazzmaster, so I don't know if that means that it's a much different, more like higher end version. Yeah, of, I'm not sure either. Like I don't, I don't know if that does that mean that it's a different pickup than usually goes in Squires? Is that how they're upselling to the six hundred dollar price? Because what I know that they did a price hike recently, but Squires didn't go up to six hundred, did they? I think it's just the limited nature of it because like the the. Uh, Classic Vibe Baritone is $500. It also is saying that it comes with uh, Fender Design Al Nico single coils. And that's a, from a whole, that the, the Squire Baritone Classic Vibe, that's like a whole other press release. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm jumping over. Well, I'm saying the pickups might be the same right. on this that as are on the uh, 40th anniversary ones. But what I'm actually wondering for this one in particular is, is this the same pickup that's just in the standard classic vibe? Right. Whereas, like, maybe they're just pointing out, like, oh, we're used Al Nico pickups and all this. This is actually something uh, in regards to Squire, like, 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, that I always thought was really weird. And it's still, I, I, I don't know if it's changed. I don't want to say something that's wrong. Versus all of the other times I say something that's wrong. <laughs> um, I don't want to like be like just completely right, totally wrong. But I know back, you know, t- ten years ago, t- uh, fifteen years ago, probably closer to fifteen years ago now. Spit it out, man. The Fender standard Stratocaster, Fender standard Telecaster had ceramic pickups in it, but the Squire standard Stratocaster and the Squire standard Telecaster had Al Nico pickups in it. So it was this weird thing where, um, you know, at, back then the fit and finish on Squires was not as good as what was on the Mexican guitars. But in my opinion, they sounded better. Right. They just didn't play as well. So it's like, man, why y'all cheaped out on the pickups on, on the Mexican stuff. But then, you know, you don't have the same fit and finish on the Squires at that time. So I, I've been, I've, I think this is all really interesting because I've been saying for a while that Fender has been moving their prices on their entire line to push Squire up to where not just their prices, but the quality yeah. points to pushing Squire up into being what made Mexico used to be. And I'd say right now, like Squire quality wise is better than what made Mexico Fender was mm-hmm. when 
you know, I was buying guitars in the late nineties and early two thousands. Like, I think the quality is better from Squire now than it was for Mexican fenders and the Mexican fenders. They keep moving it further and further into a quality uh, point and a price point that used to be, you know, entry level MIA stuff. Yeah. And then I don't know, like I'm not, you know, I don't have the money to throw around to find out if the made in America stuff has gotten better at all, but it seems like they spend more time on the American stuff, exploring like really unique kind of loadouts now Mm. versus just like, Oh, here's another strat in, you know, red sunburst, blue, black, and white, you know, like it seems like they've pushed into more kind of niche loadouts in that direction for the most part. Um, so it, it's been interesting. I mean, you have to take inflation into account as well, but like I've been, see, I've been seeing the quality go up across the board, but that, that, um, that classic vibe baritone, right? If I didn't already have a baritone telly, like I'd be looking at that pretty hard. I think the price is pretty damn good. It's five hundred. It's four ninety nine, five hundred even. That's only a hundred bucks more. Mm-hmm. Than the paranormal one that I have, it's a classic Tele loadout. It's got double binding, which looks really slick. It looks like the neck is gonna have more of like an amber tint to it versus the yeah. lighter tint that's on my baritone. Where is that? I don't. Oh, it's over here. Yeah, my baritone has a really really light finish on the right. neck, so I think that amber tint is gonna look really classy. It's probably gonna be exactly the same neck otherwise, but with a classic Tele body and loadout like that. Mm-hmm. Like, as far as mods go, this guy is the limit. Like, you don't want a Telecaster, but you want a baritone with a Telecaster body. Like, there's all kinds of mods you could throw at this. You could put a new uh, uh, bridge plate on it and throw a humbucker in there. You can put a new pit guard on it and put a humbucker in there as well. <laughs> you know, you could put humbuckers various places if you wanted to, you is what I'm a, getting you at. You could uh, put a Bigsby on it. You could put a Bigsby on it. You Just could put a Bigsby on it. No, you could. You could. Get it routed out and throw a B bender, a G bender in there for your baritone. <laughs> like I think, I think people will be excited to pick these up, not just for what they are, but also as a potential mod platform because they're pretty wide open in that direction. Yeah. And just double binding on a telly body. I mean, just instant class, right? Yeah. There's some other, uh, you know. Oh, here's the sunburst version. That's the if the I was sunburst gonna, version looks good. If I was going to get one, I'd probably get the sunburst version because there's only black and sunburst. Um, I kind of wish they would come out with some more exciting colors. They uh, Fender released two, is it two or three new uh, Jags? I didn't really look at this one. These are 60-year anniversary yeah. of Jaguar guitars. Yeah, so they gave them a premium. There's a, an ultra luxe version of the Jaguar now. Um, I don't... I don't really know a lot about that series. There's also, they got a picture of one of these that just looks like a... Like what they call it, the blacktop series. Well, the complaint that people are having, I don't know if you can see it uh, stick out to you. Obviously, the p- complaint that people are having about the Ultra Lux mm-hmm. Stealth model is what it's called, apparently, is that it's is Jazzmaster scale. So is it even a Jaguar? <laughs> are they are all three of these then? No, no. The other two are Jaguar scale. Okay. Yeah, no, I thought that the scale on that one looked longer, so So that's odd. Oh, it says right there, Ultra Lux treatment to its other new model for April with 25.5-inch scale and dual humbuckers. And 25.5-inch scale is significantly different from a standard Jaguar scale, which is 24 inches. Like, it's not like, 
oh, we did we did a 25 inch scale instead of a 25 and a half. Like it's a full inch and a half shorter. It not drastically changes the feel. So the Jaguar fans out there, the Jaguar purists are like, what even is this? Why would you even do that? Yeah. Yeah, but, that's kind of weird. And the tech, I think technically Jaguars do have, I'm looking for my guitars, do have a slightly different body style. I think the top horn is different than a Jazzmaster. So my Jaguar's over there, my Jazzmaster's over there. Um, I might be wrong on it, but I think I'm correct. Oh, it's because it's the, the length of the body is different because they're different scales. Ah, so th- right. so things do shift and change. Like you can't put a Jaguar pick guard on a Jazzmaster and have it yeah. line up in any sort of meaningful way. So technically, this probably still is a Jaguar body, and then they put a conversion neck on it or something like that's, that. I don't. Yeah, and I wonder if that's why it's like hardtail too, which is kind of weird. Oh yeah, you can see that the hardtail is further back. Well, they sh- if they were gonna do that, they should have made this a baritone. Right. That when I first looked at it, I was like, is this a baritone thing? Or am I just missing this in the description a, somewhere? A double humbucker hardtail Jaguar baritone for twenty five hundred dollars. People would have bought it. Oh yeah. The thing that's exciting to me about the other two Jaguars is that they have the mute on them, which is something I could buy and put mm-hmm. on my Jaguar for probably like fifty bucks or right. something like that. Uh, I don't really like that they went with the metallic red and metallic blue on those. I wish they'd gone more exciting colors, but whatever. And the colors for this line, unless is there there's a color more exciting than red. Oh, yellow. Yellow is more exciting. That's true. I think it's just like metallic red and metallic blue have become the default colors for every cheap guitar that's out there. Right. Like it's, you know, that's the color of the Pacifica I did a video of a while back. That's, you can find that color on almost every single cheap guitar, metallic red and metallic blue. So it's a little off-putting to me that they landed on those colors, even though they are matching headstock, which I do appreciate. I, I wish they'd gone. I wish they'd swung for the fences a little bit more. Got a little bit more weird with the colors on the 60-year anniversary Jaguars. So the last thing that they released, well, I said last, maybe not the last thing, but the last thing we're, we're going to talk wake, about. We're going to wake up tomorrow and there's going to be like 50 new press releases and we're going to miss almost all of them for this episode because uh, we're recording on a Wednesday and then publishing next oh Monday. Oh my gosh. Uh, Fender reveals new JV modified series of Italian Strat guitars. Four guitars that take influence from the Japanese vintage reissue models of the early 80s. It's interesting to me that one of them is the, uh, the 50s, uh, it's supposed to be the 50s reissue, but it has a humbucker. Mm-hmm. Not sure why. I mean, I guess it gives some variety. Um, but uh, the other thing that's interesting to me is that they're calling this the JV Modified Series, which the JV Serial is um, like the JV Serial is one of the classic collectible like serial codes. Right. Like, oh, that's how you know you got a, I don't want to say, you, oh, you got a good one. But like that was like the classic, uh, one of the classic serial numbers to look for. So that's that's a cool little nod. I want to see because I only loaded this one press release photo for this. The colors are like rose gold, sunburst, and then I think both the the other ones are some kind of white. Yeah, this entire line had this very specific kind of like finish style going where everything is kind of like natural beiges Mm -hmm. creams and golds and metallics and stuff like that it's very interesting to me i mean i'm not seeing much more 
uh, outside these photos here. I kind of like the 50s Strat with that single color burst of a two-tone burst. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just black into gold like that. There's something about that is that is doing it for me. But other than that, like there, there's not really much about this line that's grabbing my attention. All of the instruments have uh, apparently have soft V necks, so that's that's actually something. Oh, that's that's interesting. Pretty unique. Yeah. I mean, anytime Fender, I mean, they've kind of like they've mastered doing a lot of releases in a year, mm-hmm. and each release, like each version of a guitar scratches one individual person's itch. Like, man, I've really been waiting for Fender to put out a soft V neck. Yeah. Like, well, here's four pick it. Like this is your chance. And next next year, there might not be this opportunity. So now's your chance. Like, I think they've done a good job of marketing in that direction of like, Hey, let's give like this one feature that people want. (laughs) Just taking a lot of stabs with each new product line. Like, Hey, here's the thing that you might want. And then it might be gone next year. And people know, like, this is limited. I've got to get on this because next year this this run won't exist yeah, anymore. This Telecaster is white blonde. The Strat is Olympic white. Oh, the other Telecaster is Fire Mist Gold, which in my head, Fire Mist Gold is almost like a rose. Eh, like it's kind of like coppery vibe. gold. Yeah. yeah. I, guess you could, I guess I could see why you'd say rose. But it's, in my mind, it's more of a coppery sort of color, which is... You know, it's a very 80s Fender color. Right. Either so way. hopefully they don't put out a ton of new stuff after this episode. <laughs> you know, it is technically NAM season, even though it's yeah. not happening. I've, I've heard some commentary uh, here and there that a lot of companies are still doing their normal January releases. Well, it's like, you know, they didn't... Like Fender plans out their lines like three or four years in advance. Like, oh, so, yeah. So yeah. they've been making this stuff for years and filling their warehouses with it. Mm-hmm. So it didn't matter that COVID came and, you know, like changed everything. They're like, well, we're still on, you know, the calendar to launch this stuff in January they, they 2022. Still gotta, they still got to stay on that uh, NAM release schedule. Right, right. And it's, it's funny that NAM has moved this year. But everyone is still launching right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if we'll see a hiccup in that in the future. Like companies not planning the releases around NAM for the past two years while they've been, you know, developing products. And so in two years from now, maybe in a year from now, you're, we're, we're going to see stuff released at random times throughout the year because you were just hmm. like, well, who knows if NAM will exist. So let's just like plan for this to launch on a random date instead of trying to have it land, you know, in January and then in July, you know, we can hear this probably won't be in the recording, but we can hear my kids playing right now through the microphones going insane. (laughs) Ryan, I got a question for you. Ask me that question, Steve. Where does the tone come from? Where does the tone come from? I'm trying to get to that post. Where does the tone come from? This was a video posted to the group uh, by Todd Weiss. So thank you, Todd. And this is honestly a really fun video. I'll probably have it playing behind us without any sound. But this guy, did I get a screen grab of his name? Oh, shoot, I did not. John, John L, John something. Now I feel bad that I don't know his name. I'll find it. You You just keep talking. So he did this 
very well done 12 minute long video, which is nice and short for how much ground he covered in this video. Like if I had been doing this, I would have stretched it out to be a freaking 10 part series, an hour video each. Jim Lil. Jim Lil. Uh, it's got 58,000 views as of today. And he basically went on this journey exploring what gives an electric guitar its tone. And he wrote to a bunch of high-end builders. He didn't name mm. names, but he was like, hey, what do you think are the top five things that, you know, determine the tone of an electric instrument as it's run through an amplifier? And they all came back with different things that were all kind of like wildly different. One, one of them was just like fingers. Fingers. One, fingers. Two, fingers. Three, fingers. Four, fingers. Five. All no. ten fingers. One of them legitimately was like, uh, "Oh, the player, the player is the number one." Right, right. But factor. one of them, one of them was like, "Wood was at the top." Yeah. And so what he decided to do is, as a comparison point, he had a Tom Anderson guitar mm-hmm. as like a really nice Telecaster style guitar, and then he got a kit guitar that he put together, and he basically just started changing parts out of the kit guitar, trying to move it closer to sounding like the Tom Anderson. Yeah. So it's different yeah. woods than the Tom Anderson, different neck build, different fret quality, different, you know, like hardware uh, qualities and stuff like that, different pickup quality. And to me, to my ear, the moment it suddenly sounded pretty much identical to the Tom Anderson mm-hmm. was the moment he swapped pickups. Yeah. The yeah. moment he's. I- he saw pickups. He's like, "Oh, now that sounds the same." I felt like the kit guitar con- like continuously struggled, and I wondered if there was maybe something going on with the the circuit. Well, is it, it always sounded th- it, like at no point, even with the pickup swap, it sounded better with the pickup swap. But I still felt like it kind of sounded thin. Well, later on, he swapped the electronics to get the same mm. vo- like uh, resistance value from the volume and the tone pot and stuff like that. And that got it even closer. And in the end of the video, he's comparing a Tom Anderson Telecaster style guitar to, yeah. w- we have a picture here. He made this like complicated thing in, well, not complicated, but this, this thing in his garage, it was basically a guitar that really doesn't have any wood at all. It's a neck and then the bridge is connected to his workbench. Well, no, there's there's no neck. There's no neck at all. So the neck doesn't play a factor at all. Yeah, he, the, the, he made a headstock and attached that to one table. And <laughs> I think something something really interesting about that is that the nut is a completely different material. He used a Floyd, oh, yeah. he used a Floyd Rose nut without the the locking part. Yeah. So the body of this guitar at the end of this is his workbench, which is a gigantic. It's a tone bench, guys. <laughs> tone bench. And with just a few components similar between the Tom Anderson and his workbench with no neck, mm-hmm. to my ear, the tone sounded incredibly similar. Yo, I, I agree. And I was I was not listening on AirPods, guys. I was listening through a... a conference room headset i was listening not much better i was listening through the monitors that i that i edit and mix through oh so i was you know they're not fancy but they're you know they're full-on monitors one of the comments on the video i liked and you can see it in the screen grab that you that you had is uh tone is in the uh vintage honda motor that's sitting on your workbench (laughs) 
It's like <laughs> up in the upper right hand corner. There's a there's like a just a bent uh, a motor or something out of a old yeah. like tractor. Now there's there's people who will probably fight in the comments of our video, let alone the comments of this video, saying like, "Well, I have two guitars that are the same exact build, except the one body's mahogany and one body's poplar, and everything else is exactly the same. They they totally sound different. Like maybe they do. I don't know." But in this guy's video, the pickup, in my mind, was the main thing that changed yeah. the tone of the guitar. I heard subtle differences when he was changing bridge hardware, like subtle kind of like clarity, brightness, yeah, darkness felt, sort of thing. I felt like those were things that like... Um, I feel like you could dial around those with your amp. No, exactly. I You know, people, oh, I need... The classic one is, oh, man, I really need a, I really need a boost pedal to make, make this all louder. It's like, you could just... Turn up, turn up your amp. amp. I know that's not always <laughs> like, I don't, I don't sure. use a boost that way or like, yeah, you know, sometimes you don't, if your boost is doing a little EQing or something, you don't always want that. But yeah, I've noticed that like maybe very slight EQ twists and for what it's worth, he was playing kind of like a, mostly kind of like a country style. So I don't know, you know, you could make the argument that that other styles of music might be less forgiving or well, they I might trend to like hearing more differences. Also, he was using only one tone throughout, which like you're using an amp. I get it. Like you're not going to find consistency by constantly tweaking the amp and changing the amp because you're not going to be able to go back to the previous setting. Um, but he was using, I'd say like a light crispy overdrive. So that might've been hiding some characteristic. But I think it's it's fair to assume that that is a decent starting point for most guitarists. Yeah. As far as tone goes, like the tone that he did dial in. I think his whole process was really well done. But I think I think the the, the topic here, the mm -hmm. point of discussion, isn't like, oh, is tone wood real or not? Because even with this video, it's still debatable. Uh, you guys can still fight it out and be like, oh, no, tone totally is affected by the wood and blah, 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 because this and that and the other thing. Yeah, you. what you don't realize is that uh, the the two tables that he uses on this, quote, his air guitar, one of the tables is made out of mahogany. <laughs> the other table is made out of rosewood. <laughs> it's made out of ebony. This is yeah. my ebony garage workbench. No, like. Yeah, why didn't he bolt the bridge to the to the air, just floating in the air? Why did why didn't he do that? Um, my my point that I'm about what? to make is because then there wouldn't be any wood at all, you know. <laughs> uh, my point that I want to make is it doesn't really matter if the wood affects the tone or not because there's ways you can adjust around that with your amp, with your pedals, key pedals, and stuff like that. But I still think wood matters a lot. With electric guitar. Right. Because it feels different. You think there's an inherent resonance difference that you can feel? I think it's not just resonance. I think there's so many other things. You're turning down my volume is what you're doing. There you go. Oh, that's a lot better. <laughs> there's so many different feel experiences that you get from different woods as far as like resonating against your body right as far as the weight of it even the way the grain feels maybe even the way that that wood 
you know, absorbs whatever finishes on it. Maybe even just the way that it looks and makes you feel. I when thought you, you were going to say the way the guitar absorbs the sweat from your body. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe that's the thing for you. Like, you like a raw feeling guitar, and you like the way it soaks up your sweat when you're on stage. And yeah, it's my, like, get my mild Gibson BFGs really get taking up that tone sweat. Like it weighs an extra pound when you're done playing because it soaks up so much sweat. So disgusting. You know? <laughs> That's but gross. all those like tactile personal experiences yeah. that you feel when you're holding a guitar, maybe like just the way the neck feels because it's made out of rosewood instead of maple or something like that. The way it resonates in your hand, that's all valid. Mm. I think that's all valid experiences to care about as a musician. Be like, you know, I really, really just prefer this feel and I don't really know or care if it changes the tone at all, but I know that I connect to guitars that are made in this way out of these materials. Like, I think that's all valid. And I think we need to stop worrying about like, does each component, each material affect the tone in right. some way? Cause does it really matter with electric guitar? Because you can dial in so many different sounds with electric guitar. I think that besides the pickup, which was a clear change in mm -hmm. this video, like I think, I think the feel, is more important. That's fair. I was. I, I think the one thing that threw me off at the very beginning of this video is how bad the kit guitar sounded. Oh yeah, it sounded like trash right off the bat. And I you know it like, probably. Oh. You know, you know, to drive my point home, it probably didn't feel great at all. Yeah. Um, you ready to do a sponsor spot? Yeah, let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Chase Bliss Audio for pedals that are more creative than you are made with a digital brain and an analog heart, head on over to chaseblissaudio.com. I saw on their social medias recently that uh, they're already working on a version two of their expression roller thing oh, with nice. some extra features on there. So go follow them on social media, get on their email list, all that sorts of stuff so that you can make sure that you're up when those things drop and you can be up on the latest news and make sure you grab exactly what you want when it becomes available because if you know chase bliss like we do we know that it's gonna sell out because people want that good good stuff so yeah go follow chase bliss huge thanks to sponsoring us yet again chase bliss audio for pedals more creative than you are <laughs> and better looking is the sponsorship over yet <laughs> i mean if you'd stop talking it would be okay okay <laughs> what's what's new man what's new oh man i got another amp in i got a wings Oh yeah, yeah. That's behind me, I need to watch that video. It's a it's a fun amp. Uh, there's a lot I need to learn about it because I've never messed around with an amp with that uh, with that specific style of circuit before. It's supposed to be based on a bandmaster, and I've never messed around with mm -hmm. a bandmaster. Mm -hmm. I don't know how accurate it is to a bandmaster because there's a lot of features about it that you wouldn't find in a bandmaster, like right. effects loop and, and things like that. Um, Wait, are you saying that this is kind of like a hot rodded Fender? <laughs> uh, you, I would that make it like a Marshall? In my, oh, it's like a Mesa. It's like a Mesa, right? In my video, I ran it through my Princeton speaker, mm -hmm. which sounded just amazing, clean. And then I ran it through a Greenback. Oh, and by the way, through the through the Princeton, like the drive channel on it sounded like ass kind of. <laughs> like it was really super bright and nasal, and I couldn't dial in like a normal sound huh. that way. But then when I ran it through the Greenback, suddenly the drive channel sounded. Like it made sense. Like, oh, here's like a Vox style drive through right. the speaker. And it was amazing just how much like the speaker changed. I 
today I didn't film it, but today I was messing around and I played it through the warehouse speaker guitar I, I have. Yeah. Uh, warehouse guitar speaker I have. And that sounded different too. So I'm going to be taking this thing on a speaker journey. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff I want to experiment with it. But man, as like a clean surf platform, I'm pretty stoked on it. I'm pretty stoked on it. And I, I have a bunch of content planned for it already just because like it's opening up some opportunities to do a few things. So I guess that's my what's new. I can't think of anything else. That works, man. Yeah. I mean, I got some big stuff planned for April. Stay tuned for that. If that happens. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. I've been on, I've been having phone calls and meetings with potential sponsors for a big thing that I'm planning on doing. We'll see. We'll see if it, I can pull it off. I'll say that. What about you, man? What's new? Uh, I keep having kind of awkward work conversations. I believe that you, um, so, you know, typically the conversation, the sequence of conversations with like a new coworker, uh, First of all, I teach them how to do their job, of course. Of right? course, yeah. And then they're like, oh, so what do you do for fun? And I'm like, oh, I, I guess I have a podcast. Uh, no. <laughs> anyway, eventually it gets out that I have a podcast. Right, right. People find out. And assume, and at first people are like, oh, that's fun. Like, what's that like? Oh, like how many viewers, like how many listeners do you have? I'm like. Which kind of true crimes do you yeah, cover? What kind of, what kind of uh, how many murders have you solved? Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so eventually... Oh, you it, don't solve m- murders? It must be a movie review podcast. Yeah, eventually it leads them to the YouTube channel. And lately I've had two of my coworkers who, because I used to... Rec- when, when Lauren had COVID, I was recording in the office. Mm-hmm. So they've seen me record and they were like, if I go get you a beer, can I be on your podcast? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and this has come up multiple times. And like re- recently, like one of the guys, I'm like, do you, do you play guitar or bass? And he's like, I used to play piano, but then I moved to California and I wasn't going to put my piano in my car. So, uh, no, I don't, I don't play anything, but I like music. I'm like, okay. So what he's like, I just want to be on the show, man. Like, right. Right. People just want to be on mic, man. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then one of my other so now another one of my coworkers has also said he wants to be on the show and he plays uh trumpet i think he said and like french horn and originally he was going to be a music major in college have you pitched starting a ska band with him yet <laughs> i haven't i should uh and you need so, an office ska band and so he uh so he's like oh can i be on your show he goes i know a lot about uh bass production I was like, what do you, like, he's, I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I, and apparently a class that he took in college as part of his music major was called, uh, manufacturing, manufacturer of stringed instruments. Okay. So he's got this whole thing where he's like, yeah, I, in this class, they talked about like how basically the wet seasons in Africa would affect like the tonality of basses produced for like a given set of years or whatever. I'm just like, that's really not what we do over I'm here. Like, okay. <laughs> I, I guess, but also that's weird. And also it kind of just sounds like bullshit. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just like, why, like, why does, is this, is this like, you're going to send this to your friends? I, I just don't understand. 
people just they're excited and they're like, oh, I know a podcaster. I want to be on a podcast. And they don't realize like uh, if you don't really if you don't really know what we're talking about, then it's not going to go very well, is it? Yeah, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure like none of them have actually listened. Right, right. You know, this is just a thing that they have convinced themselves that they want to be a part of. I always have that awkward conversation with like family members and like old friends and they're like, Oh, Hey, I heard, I heard you have like a podcast or like a YouTube channel. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. Blah, blah. This is what's going on with it. And they're like, okay, what's the name of it? I'll check it out. And I'm always like, do you, do you play guitar or, or care about guitar at all? No, no, not really. Like, well, there's, there, there's really no reason for you to check it out. Like there's, there's, there's no information in here that you're going to relate to. And it's not going to be like hanging out with me, like how we're hanging out right now. Cause I'm going to be talking about stuff that you do not understand at all. And you don't want to, and you don't want to understand it. Let's be honest. It's nerdy and it's boring. If you don't care about this in any way, like if you don't care about guitar deeply, then this, this show is not interesting to you. (laughs) It's just, it's just like, it's probably already not interesting to you. Even if you do care, I think it's just a funny conversation for to have too, but it's also the, you know, part of that is I think everybody assumes that, uh, the automatic assumption whenever people like, like, Oh, you do a podcast. I go, yeah, yeah. I've been doing it for a long time. Like it's fun. They're like, Oh, cool. Yeah. Fun. And they're like, so like uh, people listen. I'm like, yeah. Oh, like how many? Uh, like a couple thousand people download it, and then like another like three or four or five thousand people watch it on YouTube. What? Yeah, yeah. It's a podcast that's on like a ninety-five thousand sub YouTube channel, and at that point, they're just like, some people are like, "Well, that's not as cool as you know." Oh, I thought you were gonna have Joe Rogan. Joe numbers. Rogan numbers, you know, you know, three hundred and five million subs or whatever. But most people are like, at that point, are like, wait, like that's that's significant. That's a that's like a full on side gig. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> for for my for my co host it is. <laughs> I get some cool stuff too, right, right. <laughs> but it's just funny because it's like people's perception of it, and and you know the and the reality is that I think there's more people than we probably realize. And I wasn't thinking about going this way in the beginning. I should have made an outline. Um, Why didn't you make an outline of everything you were going to talk about on the podcast, Steve? Um, That most people probably know somebody who started a podcast and uh, made like 10 episodes or if they're still doing it, you know, they've made a hundred episodes that 50 people listen to. And whatever. And so, like, that's kind of the starting assumption. Anyway. Yeah. Need those Joe Rogan numbers. No, I think everyone knows someone who started a podcast and it's like, you know, their friends and family listen to it. And uh, RJ sent me a video the other day that was, uh, it was called Five Things I Wish Someone Would Have Told Me About Podcasting Before I Started a Podcast. Uh-huh. Something like that. And one of the things on there, apparently someone tracked it. Uh, this is not useful information for the people watching this, but whatever, uh, was that the average podcast has like seven episodes. Yeah. That sounds about right. I've always said that, like, I don't really consider a podcast to be on the map until it's got past a dozen episodes. Like if you get a dozen episodes in, that's a fifth of a year. Yeah. You've, you've committed. 
you know, a one one episode a week for a fifth of a year, you've committed and you're probably not going to stop because you found something that you like mm-hmm. doing. If you stop before then, then you probably don't really enjoy doing it because it doesn't even have to do with how many listeners you have or how successful you are or if people like it. But if you make it to a dozen episodes, you probably like doing it. And so you're probably not going to stop. Yeah. And that's all it takes, you know? If you like doing it, you're going to keep doing it. And it doesn't matter. Like five people could be listening it, listening to it, and you're doing it for those five people, and they're your friends, and that's cool. You know, it's like having a phone call with them that goes one way. <laughs> that's an odd way of putting it. <laughs> this ad was picked by Paul Weller. Did we say who did the other ad? Uh, yeah, we did. Okay, cool. We figured it out. Uh, this was sent by Paul Weller. This is a Dean Bell Air. I don't know what this is. I've never seen this before. This body shape looks kind of familiar. This headstock looks like complete and total trash. I like the headstock a lot better than I like most Dean headstocks. I'll say that. That's fair. They probably they probably use this headstock until they got sued by Paul Reed Smith. <laughs> it's a little bit like a cocktail fork. Like you use that <laughs> you use that headstock to fish, you know, olives out of a jar yeah, or something yeah. like that. Or, or man, uh, look at this checking. Yeah, I was kind of impressed by that by that natural relicing on there. I, I'm assuming that's Polly. Like I can't imagine an eighties Dean had nitro on it. So, uh, okay. So what's it say? Vintage Dean Bel Air, 1983. This guitar is used and has some nicks and dings to show for it. I tried to get pictures from all angles to give a good representation of its condition. Everything works as should and still sounds as good as it ever did. Switch and pots are clean and lube serial number, blah, blah, blah. Original hard shell case. Um, this came up recently on, a uh instagram uh story reel whatever they're called i don't remember if it it post i'll say post i don't remember what kind uh that um caroline guitar made philippe over at caroline made where he was talking about how his 70 uh his 70s i think strat uh had checking go had finished checking going on and had basically saying the same thing like hey can anyone explain this because everyone says like oh when they switched to poly like da, 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 da. right and it made me think about this a little and i don't know if this is true i haven't looked it up this is just like something so, you uh, heard one time at a bus stop it was yeah basically I, I looked up something but i didn't look up specifically finish checking but for that uh, i was looking up that fender has actually used three different finishes uh, three, there's like three eras of fender finishes. And I, I think up until I read that, I always thought there was two, there was right. nitro. And then there is what's currently like the thick poly. Uh, I think it's polyester. Well, I think of, I think of there, I think that there's different eras of poly because you know, you pick up eighties fenders, mm-hmm. especially eighties, like MIJs and, and then nineties bullets and affinities and stuff like that. And they had that super, super thick poly on. Well, the, well there's that, but even like, and this, then like the now 70s there's American stuff. They didn't use, I think it's polyester. Right. Is the current one. They use polyurethane. Right. So it, right. it's still, it's poly. So it is that plastic finish, but it's a different type. So that got me thinking like, well, maybe even though like people are just reducing it to poly. Oh, sure, it's all sure. poly. But they mean different things, you know. Do you know what else is polyester resin? Uh, surfboards. Yep, the, the surfboards surfboard. I have over there. I gave it away when I said resin. Yeah, you did. That's what That's what the... Uh, if you would have said, you know what else is polyester, right. I would have said your pants. 
They're not. They're cotton, Steve. You know I wear denim. <laughs> so anyway, going that's, back to this guitar. That's interesting that is you know, that they had polyester finishes. Is polyester what they're using now? I that's what I that's what I let me see if I can find the article. So they're not using polyurethane now, they're using polyester, or at some point they were using polyester. Bender finishes history. I think this is how I uh, found it. Um, are we just going to... So they use nitro. Right. Then they use polyurethane. So polyurethane was introduced in the late 1960s. Um, and apparently the American specials used gloss urethane. Uh, polyurethane finishes look great, age well, and are extremely durable. Age well, they mean that they don't age. Right. Yeah. It means that they get they get dents and dings, but they don't like yeah. it. And then in cracked. the 70s is when they started using polyester finishes. Interesting. Uh, and then polyester, like polyurethane, polyester finishes look great, age well, and are extremely durable. Uh, polyester makes for a colorful and extremely tough, durable finish. Polyester guitar finishes age and weather especially well and are seemingly immune to climate and injury. So what's funny is all they keep saying like, oh, they they age well. But I think a lot of people would say that what Fender says on their article that it ages well is what people think that it means that it's actually bad about it. Right. That it right. doesn't age. Right. Um, of course, this also going back to the polyurethane. Polyurethane is what bowling alleys are made out of. Right. Right. So I don't know. I don't, maybe it's a thinner urethane in that era or what, but well, it seems like some of them, some of them will check and some of them don't. You know, like my, my nineties duosonic has seen a lot of abuse mm -hmm. over the years and that finish has its own relicing to it. It has right. its own aging and it's subtle. It's not like a nitro finish where you get huge worn off spots and you get all this age and weather checking and stuff like that. But I honestly really like the way some poly finishes age. Like they have their own way of aging and people just need to embrace that unique way of aging instead of trying to reproduce nitro aging on guitars when they yeah. rock them. Uh, but this is very interesting that this totally, I mean, this an 80s Dean. It has to be some sort of version of poly and it has that classic like nitro striped across the body weather checking going on. I mean, maybe someone just really abused this. They put it in the freezer, out of the or freezer. maybe in someone was experimenting with with artificial aging things, and they were just scraping it with a razor or something mm. like that. But the reason I want to talk about this guitar is because this is one of those guitars that is intended to be a metal guitar. Yeah, but I mean, you look at this body shape; it's one gold sparkle coat away from being, <laughs> you know, a, another surf guitar in my quiver. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> So what you're saying is you're taking this on as a project. And honestly, I don't hate the headstock. As far as Dean headstocks go. $380. It's not bad. Like this, you know, I would, in the olden days when I didn't have a lot of guitars sitting around, I would have grabbed this for sure. I would have gone on a refinishing journey with it. I would have swapped out that bridge pickup for something that I could split. Ships for $75. And I would have put a really nice uh, vintage style bridge on there of some sort. That uh that bridge pickup is either a Demarzio or a Demarzio clone, right? Um, because it's so, got the open hex. Yeah, it might screws. it might be splittable. It, it might all, be as is, you know. But what if I wanted to put like a Mosrite pickup in this or something? Okay. 
<laughs> it's interesting that it essentially has a strap pit guard on there as well. Like I know it's probably not exact to a strap pit guard, but it is like so close to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think this looks really cool. I, I want to see this design, this body shape brought back. Just not by Dean. Did Dean, does Dean exist? Did they get like I, in, in an alternate universe, like uh, Eastwood will do a, oh, yeah. a version of go. this body. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like imagine this body with a very different bridge setup and gold foils, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like in some sort of, some sort of funky old, like harmony, silver tone style design or something like that. Like give it those appointments, some sort of weird, like, you know, embellished pit guard shape instead of a strap pit guard shape. I think, I think there's something really fun about this body. The more I look at it, the more I like it. All right, what next, Steve? What's next is Sponsor? this episode is brought to you by Big Ear Pedals. That's right. They've got something launching soon. I know. I haven't. I know. I, I have one, I think. I have one in a box. We Neither of us have unboxed it yet. It was countdown to unboxing day. Yeah. Grant shipped a bunch of these out to various uh, channels and influencers, content creators. <laughs> and I am i don't know anything about it. And Steve no. doesn't know anything about it, but we know that it's coming. And I'm going to film my unboxing next week, but I'm, I'm going to have to wait until the embargo is done to launch it until everyone else can see it. But apparently it's going to be a big deal and you're going to want to see everyone's reactions. When yeah. it launches, whatever yeah. it is. We're all gonna be something like that. Surprised and shocked and very entertained by this thing. The hype is the hype is building, guys. I'm just saying the hype is building. So make sure you go follow big ear pedals on all the social media programs. So when this hot, exciting thing drops, you can buy one for yourself. The internet rumor mill says that it's a flanger. Well, twenty twenty two is the year of the phaser. Or phaser. Yeah. The year of the flanger. Flangezer. Flanger. Oh, Flanger. The Flanger. You're the Flanger. Finally, combining flange and phaser. You know what else we I need? I still don't know. You know how what else pronounce. we need to do right now, man? What do we need to do? Housekeeping. Housekeeping. Uh, I'd like to thank the following people for supporting us over on Patreon.com. Uh, one of those people is Jordan Carroll, actually, uh, but we said his name a while ago. Yeah. Uh, at the one dollar level, uh, John Sluhan. At the three Australian dollars, I don't know what that is in America. Uh, is Ian Glencross, and at the ten dollar level are David Rustad and Kirk, uh, Kirk below, below, Baloo, below. I don't know why I'm having. I so just much trouble checked. With this. I just checked exchange rates, uh-huh. and three Australian dollars will buy you two kangaroo eggs and a can of Fosters. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Nice. Yeah. You drink out the top third of that can of Fosters, and then you crack the kangaroo eggs and pour those in there. Well, you, your, sh- you, shotgun, thumb- you shotgun the eggs. You, you, you're going through the side, you know. Oh, you go? Yeah. Okay. You I, shake I, them to put them under pressure first. I was going to put the eggs in the beer, but, you know, whatever. You do you. <laughs> you do you. Uh, if you want to support the show like these folks did, head on over to patreon.com and do the thing. And also, if you want to send us stuff, I'm going to flash oh, yeah, yeah. the address here. Uh, we have a P.O. box you can send stuff to, like Jordan Carroll did here. He makes these ridiculous guitar picks that are essentially designed to destroy your strings. Like, these are noise-making picks. I'm sure I'll have to put up a close-up photo of this. It in, looks like a weapon. In his letter, he calls this 
uh, an old O L O S noise pick. Uh, this thing, it, it honestly, like you wouldn't be able to take this on an airplane. You can't travel with this. It's got a serrated edge on one side. It's got a bumpy edge on the other. It has a really sharp point right there. It has a smoother point right there. It has a flat edge right there with a little hook bump. And then it has like a thing for grip in the middle. Like, I'm afraid to use this on a guitar. I'm going to definitely like ruin the guitar and break the strings I kind of want to try the straight edge on it as like a slide thing, like picking the slide. And then also he included this noise-making piezo pickup drum that has my face laser etched on it. So I have this now. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan Carroll. Uh, <laughs> this says... Okay. It also has the logo engraved on the side and his logo engraved on this side. These f- functions are puncture, scrape, brush, grab slide and pick it's a relicking tool oh and also olos i realized is our lady of static.com so if you want to check one of these out uh the olos noise pick will cause cosmetic damage when used properly the edges (laughs) are for the most part blunt but with the right force and angle they are capable of causing physical harm used with extreme care so it is uh, d-o-k you got to lock this oh in. Oh my gosh, no one knows that reference, Steve. Well, if they google it, they can. DOK Defender of Kings. Oh my gosh, I've been bugging Adam for 15 years to upload those VHSs to the internet. <laughs> Our friend Adam that we used to be in a band with, he found this collection of VHS tapes at a garage sale mm-hmm. just labeled DOK. He bought them, he took them home. It was all like really sketchy home done self-defense instructions from this dude. And his whole stick is taking things like say like this Sharpie right here, you lock it into your palm, then you give it to him. (laughs) And it's like hours and hours of footage of him showing you various things you can lock into your palm and then stab at someone with it. Like you, that is his whole defense. You know, okay, so there's this thing that's going going around. I think it it kind of jumped the shark uh, because now all I see are our videos like TikToks making fun of this guy. But there's this guy who's like supposed to be teaching self defense out of like the I think it's like Detroit Self Defense Center or something. Mm-hmm. And he's wearing like cop stuff and whatever. And he's like, "All right, pull a gun on me." And so like the guy's pointing a gun. He's like, "Now what?" And he's basically like teaching, uh, like Krav Maga. Right, right. Sort of sort of things where it's like you're holding the gun. He's like, okay, now look, I'm going to do this and then this and then this. And so, uh, and then he's like, now I've got the gun. And so people are making videos where they are like green screening him into it. And then as soon as he starts to do the move, it, or as soon as like someone starts to do the move, like you hear a gunshot and then that person just shows up in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> so it's basically like, all of these things are like are completely reliant on you taking the attacker by surprise and the attacker not panicking and just pulling the trigger. Right, right. Or the attacker just not adjusting for whatever the heck you're doing. Like in all in all instances, it's like the attacker's just like, oh, what is he doing? I'll just stay here until I figure out what he's doing. I, I think one of my favorite ones, I yeah, I haven't subscribed to them, but I've seen them pop up a, a couple times, is two dudes who recreate the scenarios, mm. but with a paintball gun. 
And it's one of the dudes just getting plastered every single time. <laughs> and it's like he tries to do the spin to get away from the gun. And then the gun holder guy like kicks him in the butt and he falls down. And then he shoots him like a bunch of times. Good grief. <laughs> but most self-defense stuff is kind of like that. Where it's like you kind of take those classes for entertainment and for confidence building. Like real self-defense is like. Scratch at people and try to get away. Like fair. <laughs> well, and I think like, that's go, like go for the eyes, yell for help, run away. That like, is, that, I mean, that is legitimately like if you take a if you take a like a women's self defense class. There's a class, right. you know for a reason. It works for men uh, too. And like literally, the first like four moves are always like knee to the groin, like. How to how to get a knee to, how to like attack a knee to the groin from like five different positions, like oh he's attacking you from behind knee to, oh no he's taller than you then instead of knee to the groin you use elbow to the groin right right like they're all variations of to the groin all variations of a throat punch and like throwing like a drink in their face or whatever to blind them all the stuff where people are pretending to be action heroes is BS like. Like you're not going to do some sort of special roll maneuver that's going to disarm the your attacker and then you know unload their gun at the same time like some freaking Jason Bourne move. Like no one's <laughs> none of that stuff is real. It's made up for movies, guys. It's made up for movies. Now we're going to get all sorts of comments from people. Well, actually, I'm a I'm a self defense instructor and I can tell you this all very real and I defended myself. When, and I don't care, dude. We're an hour, we're over an hour. No one's listening. Right no now. one's listening anymore. Oh man, well, let's wrap this up then. <laughs> All right, this is uh, this was sent by Ryan Olive. Try before you buy. Oh, this one, Ventura, nineteen eighty six. Les Paul look alike, two hundred seventy five dollars. We don't even have a picture of the entire guitar. We yeah. just have the back of the headstock. For as messed up as some hillbilly treated this guitar, it is one of the smoothest electrics I have played. I will even let you play it before buying. Oh, it's thank a, you. It's a nineteen eighty six, and the company is discontinued because they styled patent what. They style pat- oh they stole patented guitar ideas from big names such as this one like Gibson Les Paul Martins and more actually a very refined message rare find message me for any other questions or offers of course you can't like actually see the headstock no I think this is just a pretty normal Lotus or Ventura right I kept Les wanting Paul, to think so I Lotus think. but whatever but same all, thing. all we have is a picture of the back of the headstock and it has a really shoddy like headstock brake repair that's got three wood yeah. screws going in through the back of the head. You could like fix this, but I would not. A hundred bucks tops? I wouldn't buy it to try. I would. You would buy this to try no. to fix it? I don't know. I don't it, the, the, pe- the person that is going to buy this is someone who's done those repairs before and knows that they can patch that up and flip it. And they're not going to pay 275 Like you said, they're going to pay a hundred bucks max. Right. There's no reason to pay 275 for that. All right, let's end the show. I'm talking weird. End the the show. That's indie show. Indie show. Steve, end the show oh, for us. Let me pause this. Uh, this song was called, uh, this was sent by Maddie's Two Hats. We've played them before. We're playing them again. If you want to put your uh, song on the show, uh, send us a link or uh, attach a file and send it to 60cyclehumcast at gmail.com. We're going to be out of songs again soon. So Uh-oh. This is called Son of a Bitch by Maddie Two Hats. <laughs>
And truly the poet of our age. <laughs> he likes butts. I'll say that. I don't know if I'll, I've decided if I'm going to put the video up on screen. Or I'll put it up. You guys can see what this guy's all about. <laughs> all right. Thanks for watching, everyone. Stay grounded. See ya.